Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to I Am Persuaded. I appreciate you tuning into this episode. I greatly appreciate those of you that listen, and I appreciate your feedback, and those of you that share it, and those of you that just uh, text and the encouraging words. I greatly appreciate that. And so what we've been doing for the past couple of episodes, and I know they've been very sporadic, and I do apologize for that. It's been a very busy summer with school and just ministry and various things in life, and so I apologize they've not been as on schedule as I would like to be. But anyways, we're going through the Psalms, and so we've been uh, a couple episodes ago in Psalm 1, then the last episode that was posted was out of Psalm 2. And so this episode is going to be Psalm 3. And so I think as we read through these Psalms, we can just find great help. We can find great encouragement. We can find just great insight into the scripture and looks at Jesus and theological truths. And so a lot of times I believe the Psalms get this uh, rap that they're just all praise and adoration, and a lot of them are. However, there's great theological truths that are wrapped up inside of these Psalms. And so Psalm 3 kind of paints a picture of some theological truths about God and about Jesus, and really in a time of David's life where he's stressed, he's running for his life. And so I'm going to read Psalm 3. It's eight verses, but it's action-packed. And so I'll read Psalm 3 beginning in verse number 1. It says, Lord, How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, and for thou, Lord, sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. But they have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Verse 8, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. And right off the bat, I want to point out, you see at the end of verse 2, the end of verse 4, and the end of verse 8, that word Selah. And so a lot of people have speculation as to what that's for. And I believe it's 70-some times that word is used in the Psalms. And so what we understand about that word is it in the music that they would set these Psalms to, that would be like a musical pause. And so as we read these now, just we don't really set them to music, but we read these in our personal Bible study. The implication there is when we come to that word Selah, we're to take a break, we're to pause, and we're to think about what we've just read. So in verses 1 and 2, we're to think. Verses 3 and 4, we're to think about what we just read. Verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, we're to think about the entire psalm, but really that section of scripture that we've just read. And so it's kind of broken up beautifully with those words as it causes us to think a few times about what we've read and how we can give proper praise and adoration to the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the context of this psalm, it's really unique. It's the first psalm of lament in your Bible. And so there are various psalms that carry different meanings. There are psalms of praise. There are psalms of lament. There are psalms of various psalms in the Bible that convey different thoughts and themes. And so this is the first psalm of lament 
in the Bible. And so it's David. David is penning this psalm as he penned many of them. And he's running from his life. And you'll find various times in David's life throughout the psalms where David is running for his life. He encountered many enemies. He encountered many hardships. He encountered many difficulties in his life. And he finds himself a lot of times on the backside of his enemies, running from them and hiding from them. And that's where he's at in Psalm 3. So I want to open with this this illustration and probably one that you felt at some point in your life. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. The word is betrayal. Have you ever felt like there's a time in your life where you've been attacked by really by people? And we know, I mean, if you've been in a church or you've been in a group of people long enough, you know that there are people that are out to hurt other people. Satan at times will use people we thought were friends. Satan will use strangers to attack us. And we feel like we're just being attacked from every front. Have you ever been betrayed by someone? Uh, Kind of the worst pain of that is you can imagine you're in a foxhole and you're in this hole and you have your friend there beside you and you have all these enemies that are coming to attack you, but you feel a sense of security knowing that you have a friend in the foxhole with you. But imagine you're in that foxhole and you look and here approaches the enemy, but then you feel stabbing pains in your back and you turn around and your friend whom you thought was on your side is stabbing you in the back. You ever been stabbed in the back by a friend? Ever been betrayed by maybe a family member or someone that you loved or someone that you greatly trusted? And you know the pain that that conveys, the pain that can wash over a person when they've been hurt by family, when they've been hurt by someone who they thought was their best friend. And so when we come to Psalm 3, that's David. He has this son, Absalom, the son whom he loved, the son who the Bible says at one part in his life, there was no nothing wrong about him. He was loved by many. He had wisdom. He had beauty. And David loved Absalom. Absalom, even after he killed his brother because something happened with his sister Tamar, David still loved him. David loved Absalom. It was his pride and joy, if you will. And David was seeking and loved and enjoyed spending time with Absalom. Well, then something took place. Absalom desired the throne. Absalom wanted to overthrow his father, David, kick him off of the throne, and he wanted to take uh, kingship there in Israel, but it, it wasn't given to him. It was still David's throne. And so he started out with some men to seek and to take the life of David and to kill his own father. So can you imagine David? Here's the son whom he loves. Here's the one who he's given a lot of his time and devotion to, one who he's really, he's probably provided for throughout his life. He loves Absalom. And now his son whom he loves is seeking to kill him, to take his throne and to ultimately take his life. Can you imagine the backstabbing feeling that David's probably feeling in that moment? Can you imagine the betrayal that David feels as he's entering Psalm 3, as he's running for his life, probably hidden out in a cave somewhere, waiting for Absalom's army to come and take him and kill him. And so here's David. He's sad. He's heartbroken. He feels betrayed by one of the ones he loves the most. And he pins Psalm 3. So here's what he says in verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. So verse 1, he says, he's talking to God. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many 
are they that rise up against me? Absalom had gotten an army. Absalom had gotten a group of people together that was seeking after David's life. And so what he's saying is there is a lot of people. He uses the word many. There are many people who are seeking to take my life in this moment. There are many people who are running after me to to see the end of my life, to overthrow me and to take my life. And my son is the one that's leading this rebellion toward me. So many are they that rise up against me. Verse two, he uses the word again, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. So here's what he's saying. Not only God are the enemy attacking me and they're searching for me and they're trying to kill me, but they're saying things about me also. God, they're saying that all of this is judgment. God, they're saying that this is your way of judging me for my mistakes. Now, David, if you study his life, David knows what it's like to be on the blessing side of God, but David also knows what it's like to be on the judgment side of God. You read Psalm 32, you read Psalm 51. There are times in David's life when he is running from God, he will not repent, and he's living in this unrepentant sin, one of those being uh, the sin of Bathsheba. He also numbered the people of Israel where God strictly told him not to. And so David's been involved in some pretty big sins, but namely the one with Bathsheba where he had Uriah, her husband, killed in battle. He then takes her as his wife. They have a son. And so David, sin of adultery. And so he had this great sin over his life. But you find in the scriptures, especially in Psalms, where David understands he sinned, first of all, he acknowledged it, Psalm 32 says, verse 5, when I acknowledged my sin, he understood that he was a sinner and he told God where he was wrong, he stopped running from God and he ran to God. So you see in scripture where David had repented of his sin, David had given his sin to God for forgiveness and he was forgiven. And so what the people are saying, Absalom and his army, they're saying, hey, David, all this going on right now, it's God turning his back on you. God doesn't even want you. God doesn't even love you. And so that's what he said. See, listen to verse two. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And so I can almost imagine David on the face of this betrayal of his son, the enemy approaching and attacking. And they're saying, hey, David, God doesn't even care. This is actually God against you. God's not on your side. God's against you. And how many times in maybe a season of betrayal or a season of hurt or a season of heartache or a season of sickness or a season of financial loss or a season of just overwhelming distress in your life, does the enemy come, Satan, our adversary, and say, hey, hey, psst, God doesn't care for you. God doesn't love you. God's not there for you. And if we're not careful, I can almost imagine David almost believing them because, well, he had sinned. He had fallen short of the glory of God. He had sinned with Bathsheba. He did number the people. He was guilty, but he had repented. So I can almost imagine David, he didn't believe it, but I can almost imagine him thinking, is this the judgment of God? And so if we're not careful in these seasons where the enemy is approaching or Satan is throwing everything at us that he possibly can, we tend to listen to him and we think, is God against me? And in the sickness, is God even here? In the waiting, does God even care? In the financial struggle, does God not care what I'm dealing with and what I'm going through? And when the friend betrays you, the family member betrays you, the husband leaves you, the, the wife divorces you, the somebody's committing adultery, whatever it is, God, are you even there? And Satan will come and he'll tell you that he's not. But friend, he is. 
If you're a believer in Jesus, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I believe we can make that point through Psalm chapter 3. So he says Selah at the end of verse 2 for us to think on what he's just done. So what did he do in Psalm verses 1 and 2? He told God. He told God who his adversary was. He told God who his enemy was. Then he told God what they were saying about him. So that's good practice for us. When we feel betrayed, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel tired and stressed and weary and burdened, what do we do? We tell God. We go right to him. We have a friend in Jesus. We have an adversary. We have an adversary in Satan. We have an advocate in Jesus. Jesus is one that will help us. He's one that will care for us. He's one that will come to our need, come to our aid at any time of the day. And so what do we do when we feel betrayed and overwhelmed and stressed? Simple picture from verses 1 and 2. Friend, we bring it to Jesus. We give it to Jesus in that moment when we're stressed, when we're hurting, when we're overwhelmed. We give it to Jesus. Then verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. Verse 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. So verse 3, it starts with but. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. So what's, what's David doing? He's going from, it's like a 180 from verse 2 to 3. God, I've got all these enemies. God, I've got all these people pushing to get me. They're saying all these nasty things. And then he starts to reflect on God's character. He takes his focus off of the enemy, off of Absalom, off of the negativity. And what's he do? He focuses it on his God, on his Savior, on his Lord. And it's very noting in the Hebrew here, there's a couple different words for God. There's Elohim which is the proper name for God. Then there's Yahweh, which is the personal name for God. And David in Psalm 3 uses the word Yahweh. He's saying, God, we're personal. God, we have a relationship. God, we're close together. And I love how he started verse 3. I've told the teenagers this, and I've told my, my Bible study on Thursday mornings this, and I'll tell anybody that asks me when I come to a verse that has this word in it. I love the buts of the Bible. The B-U-T's of the Bible, because you read it in Ephesians a lot. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were lifeless, but God, who is rich in mercy. You see it here in verse 2 and 3. Verse 2, I got all these enemies. All these people are saying so much about me. But God, but thou, O Lord, are great. So I always use this illustration. Just like a large door can swing on a small hinge, so can great theological truths swing on such a small word in the Bible. When you read that word but, B-U-T, in your Bible, expect a great theological shift most of the time, especially in Ephesians here in Psalm 3. It's all doom and gloom. Verse 2, I've got all these people saying all these things about me, but let's focus on God. But thou, O Lord, look what he says, art a shield for me. What is he saying? God, I'm betrayed, but you protect me. God, I'm betrayed, but you're my shield. God, I'm betrayed, but I'm going to hide behind you. God, I'm hurting, but I'm going to cover myself in you. God, I'm stressed, but I'm going to hide behind you because you, God, alone are my protector. He says, you're my shield, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. You ever seen someone that just walks around with their head draped to the ground? Seems like they're distressed. They're they're feeling awful. They're, everything's doom and gloom with them. Their heads to the ground. That's kind of the picture we see of David here in this psalm as he's running for, for his life, literally. His head's to the ground. Everything's bad. Everything's awful. And he says, hey, God, you're my shield. You're my glory. And God, you're the one that lifts my head. When I feel like I can't look up, 
When I feel like I can't take another step, God, you take a step for me. When I feel like I can't look to the heavens and praise your name, God, you lift my head. God, you're the one that picks me up when I'm hurting. God, you're the one that picks me up when I'm sad. God, you're the one that picks me up when I'm betrayed. You're the lifter of my head. Verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. Here it is, and he heard me. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. You remember back in Psalm 2, he speaks of this holy hill in Zion where God dwells. And he says, God, you're hearing me. You're listening to me. When I cry to you, God, you hear me. So here we have another Selah. So what are we to reflect on in verses 3 and 4? When we feel overwhelmed, stressed, and betrayed, what do we do? We reflect on God's character. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Satan says doesn't matter what a worldly enemy can do to us. doesn't matter what sickness the doctor's report can give us. At the end of the day, God is our shield. God is our glory. God is the lifter of our head. Even on the worst of day, God is still good. And I love that word shield because you go to Ephesians chapter 6 and he's, Paul is writing to us as believers that we're to put on this whole armor of God. One of those uh, pieces of armor is the shield of faith. We are to hide behind our shield of faith. And who's the object of our faith? Jesus. Who's the shield? Jesus. And so when we have faith in Jesus, he alone will protect us. He alone will cover us. He alone will be our glory. He will be the lifter of our heads. So friend, you say, I'm betrayed. I'm hurt. I'm heartbroken. What do I do? Verse four, you cry to Jesus. You reflect on his character that he's good to you. He's been your shield thus far. He's been your glory thus far. He's lifted your head thus far. Now I'm going to cry to him and he hears me. And friend, we have a promise in scripture that if we are not regarding iniquity in our heart and we're a believer in Jesus, we can come boldly under the throne of grace where we can obtain mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. A lot of times we feel the betrayal. We feel the heartache. But we fail to run to Jesus. We fail to give him and tell, tell him all about it. We fail to do that. And David's painting a picture for us to apply to our life today. When we feel that, we run to Jesus. Pick up in verse 5. I laid me down and slept. I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. So what's he saying? Lord, I ask for your protection and a validation for your protection. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. Now you ask yourself, if you're running from your son, who has an army, you're probably in a cave somewhere in the middle of Israel, probably down near En Gedi or the Dead Sea, somewhere like that, and you're hiding out in a cave, and they're all around. They're looking for you everywhere. Are you going to be able to sleep well? I can't sleep good if I have something to do the next day and I'm thinking about it, let alone hundreds of people, maybe thousands, coming after me to kill me. I wouldn't get a good night's sleep. Here's what he said. God, I trust you. God, I care, and I've given it to you. I've reflected on your character, therefore a validation that you're going to protect me in my betrayal. You're going to protect me. I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And he did. Verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I awakened for the Lord sustained me. In my sleep, when I wasn't doing anything for myself, God, you protected me. God, in my betrayal, when Absalom, my son, was after me, God, you protected me. You sustained me. Friend, that's what he does for you. In the stress, in the overwhelmed season, in the betrayal season, in the heartache, 
He protects. It might feel like everything's caving in around us, but he's protecting us. The Lord sustained me. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. See how this is progressing? Verse 1, it's many people. Verse 2, it's many people. Now verse 6, it's ten thousands of people coming after me. But God, I'm not going to be afraid. Now verses 1 and 2 paint this picture that David's kind of overwhelmed. David's kind of afraid. David's running for his life. But after he gave it to God, he reflected on God's character, he can say confidently, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried about it. Because God, you sustained me. God, you're my glory. God, you're the lifter of my head. God, you're my shield. And when I reflect on that, God, why would I ever be afraid of what's approaching me? I will not be afraid no matter how many people stand against me. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord. Now here he is calling out, asking God for one final plea for help. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Remember Psalm 2? And he said, we kind of painted the picture that God gets the final laugh with those that are ungodly. Psalm 1 paints the picture that mankind has two choices, uh, the path of God, the path of uh, ungodliness, the path of worldliness. And if you take the path of worldliness, you get in Psalm 2 where the world hates God. Uh, the government is trying to overthrow Jesus and all the things that go along with that. Then he says here, God, you've smitten all my enemies. You've broken their teeth of the ungodly. You've, you've smitten them upon the cheekbone. And so God, here's the picture. God's going to take care of those that are opposing his saints. God, are, God is going to take care. God is going to be the one to judge those that harm and persecute the church. It's not our job to judge for God. God is going to judge for God. And so if they don't come to faith, they get their judgment in the last day. We just have to be faithful, give it to Jesus, and let him handle it. And that brings us to verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. See what David's doing? Verse 1, he's stressed, he's fearful. Verse 2, they're saying things about him. Verse 3, he starts reflecting on God's character. Verse 4, he says, God hears me. Verse 5, he says, I got a good night's rest. Verse 6, verse 5, he says, they sustained me. Verse 6, I'm not even afraid. Verse 7, God, you're going to save me. You're going to take care of me. Verse 8, God, you know what? Salvation, my protection, my eternity, every bit of it, every part of who I am, God, it belongs to to you. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. So what do we reflect on these last few verses of scripture that we just read? Every blessing that we have, every good gift that we have cometh from above. And so it doesn't matter what, what Satan has to surround us, what enemy, what the enemy is doing to fight us, how the enemy is attacking us, what he's whispering in our ear. God's going to sustain us. God's got us even in the sickness, even in the trial, even in the difficulty. Here's what he's saying. Hey, I've got it. It's okay. Even when the friend or the family member or the husband or the wife has betrayed us. Hey, hey I'm a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Just trust me. Just give it to me. Yeah, this isn't great. This isn't an ideal circumstance. But hey, I will help you. I will sustain you. I will be close to you. I will be near to you. I will handle the ungodly. And then he says, hey, hey, salvation, your eternity. Remember, it's in my hand. 
There's nothing that's going to remove that from you as a child of God. Salvation belongeth to the Lord. And then maybe we can say, we can say confidently, actually, like David, I'm not going to be afraid. No matter what's coming, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what the friend says that betrayed me, the family member that betrayed me, no matter what the enemy's whispering in my ear, no matter how bad the heartache is, I have no reason to fear because my God is my shield. My God is my glory. My God is the one that lifts my head. My God is the one that sustains me. He's the one that hears me. And at the end of the day, salvation, every blessing that I have belongs to him. He's been good thus far. He'll be good in the future. So I hope Psalm 3, this quick small, this quick podcast episode, has been somewhat of an encouragement. We've all faced betrayal. We've all faced heartache. We've all faced stressful situations. And we know what it's like to feel the pain of being stabbed in the back or being hurt or being heartbroken or being stressed. We know what it feels like. And so does David. And so he gives us a clear picture from verses 1 to 8, how we are to reflect on God's character, give it all to him, Realize that He hears us and realize that every good gift that we have, it belongs to Him. Our salvation belongs to Jesus. So I see here in David's life as we conclude, David goes to sleep as there's many enemies surrounding him, death literally on his front door. I'm reminded of a son that's going to come through the line of David as Jesus is going to the cross, gets a night's rest, and he's resting though death is on his front door and he's going to wake up go to the cross, die for the sin debt of mankind so that we can say confidently, salvation belongeth to Jesus. As always, hope you have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.